Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa via TuneIn, Blueberry, Stitcher, and anywhere you can find a podcast. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttreview.com, which has full links to the show notes and guests. And also subscribe and uh, follow the podcast on social media at About Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Email the show at abouttreview.com or abouttreview at gmail.com. On this week's episode, two guests are in the studio, two returning guests, one for like the millionth time. Yes. Uh, that would be Tim Hall of People's Critic. Good. For, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. We're going to say good for you. Good for me. Good, <laughs> yes, for me. good for you, Tim. Good for me. Uh, and then for the second time in a short period of time is Pizza Cat MV. Hello again. So on this week's episode, we're just going to be talking about uh, two or three new movies. Uh, the documentary Matanga slash Maya slash M-I-A, which is about M-I-A, the artist. We will be then talking about First Man and then The Hate You Give. So along with some geek news, that is going to be on this week's episode. Before we get into that, we'll go to the original theme song created by Damian Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So with the geek news at the top of the show, uh, Tim's favorite show of all time, unfortunately, uh, just got canceled. That would be yeah. Iron Fist. Um, I know that that was a show that you you loved. Uh, I liked the second season. <laughs> I did enjoy the second the season. The second season legitimately was infinitely better than the first. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, Netflix did just announce that it is the first of this kind of new crop of Marvel shows that got the axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finn Jones did this Instagram post where it was him in his quote-unquote costume, a.k.a. a hoodie. Come on, Netflix. Get your stuff together. This is costume. Well, it, I mean, it is his costume. It's his costume. It still counts. It's his, it's, it does. It's his costume. So he put up a picture of himself in costume with Immortal underneath, and he was like, with every new beginning, or with every new ending, there's a new beginning. Sure. The way they ended season two, even as much as it was better than the first... I was still left with a meh. Yeah, I don't know what where they're going with the story. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if they if they've ever figured it out. No, um, it actually was pretty funny. So at the Daredevil panel at New York Comic Con, they so the question and answer portion at the end of these panels, which everybody in this room has been to those panels, and those Q and A's, regardless of the panel, are terrible. No, not all terrible. They, they're not all terrible. Not you, mean when they, all, you mean when they're asking the, or when the audience gets to answer questions? Well, yes, they're when, not uh, terrible. Sometimes, a lot of the questions. They're not terrible. Can you give me a hug? Can you take a selfie with me? Yeah. Can you get? Can I? Can you they're sign terrible. this? Those, like, those are that, no. Those are people being fans. That's fine. That's part of it. 
It is. That's but, part of what we do. What we're or into. they ask something that's just like really like crazy. Like, can you tell me about season two, the first hour, every, the first 15 minutes in, 20 part seconds, of it. Yeah. 29 seconds where you blinked? Can you tell me what you were feeling at that moment? Like, yeah, that's part of it. That's yeah. part of how like we all a- approach fandom differently. For sure. And for those right. people, that's their fandom and that's yeah. how they approach it. I don't fault them for it. But what is what is challenging, though? So at the Daredevil panel, the moderator, um, I forget who it was now. But, you know, after a couple of the questions when people were like, hey, can you sign this? And they're like, logistically, no. Like, even if we were to say yes, like getting you on stage, you know. So he was like, he was like, OK, from this point on, he was like, we only have a few more minutes. We can go through a few questions as long as they are yes and yes or no questions. First person up there. So with season three, um, I liked that. And it was like and they just went on and on. But what was funny is somebody stumped him, quote unquote. They're like, so, with all these Netflix shows being popular, are they part of the MCU? Mm-hmm. And, it, like, it just put him on the spot, and he was like, well, yeah, I mean, of course they're on the MCU. And they're like, oh, are we going to see it in the movies? And he was like, well, you know, but when he was like, somebody yelled, started, and like, yes or no? <laughs> so as far as, like, what they are doing with these TV shows, I still think they're just trying to figure out where that is. Because even though they mention stuff and they kind of tie in stuff like in iron in season two of iron fist uh they mentioned sokovia which was really cool uh so they're tangentially related but they're related they're not they're just not movies yeah so that that is one of the things so when this cancellation of iron fist right does it really mean anything? Because he already popped up in Defenders. He yeah, he's going to... Right, it's I mean, not the Iron... translation of the character. It's yeah. translation of the show. So he's still... Finn Jones is still going to be around as Iron Fist to pop or up in other as whatever He'll probably he pop is. up in the next Luke Cage, yeah. just like he did in this one. I yeah. mean, again, I didn't even watch the first season, but I did see clips of the second one, and like you guys have both said, it did seem a lot better than what I saw of the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't even know who the... Who the uh, protagonist... Antagonist? Davos. Davos. Davos, okay. Yeah. So that guy seemed nuts. Uh, yeah. He was, yeah, <laughs> yeah and he, he and he played it that way the yeah. entire show. Like he was the most consistent character on the entire show. Right. So, I'm really gonna miss Colleen because she was my favorite character on the show. Colleen was great. I mean, she they and they definitely end in a way that people are like, "Cool, Daughters of the Dragon." Yeah. And even if Iron Fist season, well, not if now that Iron Fist season three is not happening, I'd watch Daughters of the Dragon. They could easily. I mean, Misty had a huge role. I would not be surprised if they announced that. That I mean, that would be great because again. Finn Jones, or not Finn Jones, I mean, Danny Rand can pop up in whatever show. In whatever Throw show Throw him in wants. there. If they were to do, like, and again, keep it at, like, eight episodes of A Daughters of the Dragon with Misty and Colleen. I'd watch that. That would be great. Yeah. And, so, and they have really good chemistry together. The yeah. The two actresses are really, they're really, really good together. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's the show's over, but he's not done. He's still working. No. He's still getting the check. He's good. Yeah, the <laughs> only other one that I do not think <clears throat> will come back... I, I'm not sure if Jessica Jones is going to get another solo season. Boo. So. I like the first. Well, I like David Tennant. Yeah. Well, everybody well, likes actually, David I, Tennant. I, well, true. I like the chemistry between him and uh, Kristen Ritter in the first season. Yeah. Um, admittedly, I didn't really see any of the second season, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Fair. So, yeah. So, Iron Fist uh, gets canceled, but Daredevil season three is next week. Oh, no. This week. Really? Uh, There's the so 19th. much coming out yeah. this week. It's Friday. Yeah. Cannot wait. They, yeah, they've got Sabrina coming out. Mm-hmm. House on Haunted House. Oh, yeah, or... the, the Haunting of Hill House, which we will talk yeah. about briefly uh, in a bit. Uh, so, yeah, so that was Iron Fist. They finally dropped a, like, 50-second 
teaser trailer for the live action adaptation of Aladdin. Correct. Which I've been looking forward to since they announced it, mm-hmm. or not necessarily since they announced it, since they started announcing the cast. Okay. When they very first announced it, very trepidatious, even though Lion King, or not Lion King, uh, Jungle Book with John Favreau, that was incredible. Why like, are you trepidatious? What are you trepidatious about? Because the when genie? They, well, no, not necessarily a genie, because Aladdin is probably the Disney movie that means the most to me. Oh, that's fine. But what, are you tra- like, what, have, what have they shown you to say that they're not going to do this well? Just when they first announced it, I was I was just worried. I'm, that's I was not, that's not what I'm asking. You know? Were you worried what about are, the casting? Because when I actually looked at the cast, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Well, that was, once I started announcing the casting, every, the, all, like, all these live action, live action adaptations have been well done. Yeah. They've all been well done. Yeah. Why so, would this be any different? I just I got nervous. Uh, but yeah, they announced the cast. It was great. So they released a teaser video that we see Aladdin for like three seconds in the Cave yeah. of Wonders. Sold. Yeah, 100% sold. What they do with Will Smith's genie is still kind of the big question. I was going to ask about that because I was trying to find any sort of picture of what they're going to do with nope. him. No. Disney is not seen it. arguably the best at when they want to keep a secret, it is on lockdown. Yeah. Nobody sees anything like with, I mean, with other students, even with like uh, Infinity War Part 2, we started no. seeing behind the scenes pictures of that a year ago. No. But those were like people just on the set. But when they want to clamp down and not show anything... But also, even with those photos, they don't really give much away. Yeah. They're just like, oh... We see some costume differences and people just speculate, oh, it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Well, they kind of had to update it. Like, I saw some pictures of the woman playing Jasmine, and I saw what they did with her costume and her hair. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I haven't seen any of that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I I just, I'm totally on board with this. They did a side-by-side, or actually, there's a top and bottom comparison. Mm Mm-hmm. To the original opening of the animated movie right. and its live action, it is almost beat for beat. So yeah, totally sold. Uh, somebody who is not sold mm-hmm. on this is Terry Rossio, okay. who is one of the original writers of the animated film. Uh, he has some complaints. Some, I mean, like complaints about what? They're valid complaints. I actually, it, it, it is, it. it is kind of valid. So what, what are his complaints? the original writers of the animated movie mm-hmm. are getting. Nothing with this new adaptation, even though almost everything is going to be the same. And so their complaint, not just him, I mean other members of the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, if you work on something and you create a thing, mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 years later, Disney remakes that thing in a different medium. Mm-hmm. You no longer get any royalties. You no longer get any credit. Yeah. You get nothing. I think it had more to do with the fact that it was a cartoon. Because one thing he did say is that because at the time that they wrote it, they weren't anticipating it would be made into a live action oh, film. Yeah. That's why they didn't um, get any contracts or mm-hmm. made for the dialogue. So what's and his so, complaint? Well, his complaint is that when you see the trailer, that dialogue from the cartoon movie is what they use in the live action movie. Okay. So they're using the same dialogue. But it's not in the contract. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is tough. That's I mean, tough. It's, yeah, it just it's it reminds me, I mean, because, and he did say in this big statement that. Disney paid him and and all the writers what they said they were going to get paid. Yes. So he was not complaining about that. He, he just said money? it was. Well, no, he was just he was saying it was hard to hear his words in a new adaptation, knowing that he is not getting anything. What's even worse is that Disney wouldn't even give them a like a park pass. I read that. Yeah. He was, like, you can't he was even... a little bit salty. He dug a little bit more, and he was like, he was like, can I at least get a pass to the park? And they're like, no. T-shirt, well, no. What I would want is whatever that VIP pass you get to the front of the line. Yeah. I have I no idea want... what that is. He did a movie like 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Nah. But it still okay. is. 
is it's unfortunate. You you yeah. I mean Disney isn't like some mama pop company. No. Yeah, well, true. so that's not that's they've got lawyers who handle all this, mm-hmm. and, if, and it's legally they can't do it. Yeah. Cause, cause it's not, it's not just about Aladdin, right? So if, if this is some legal precedent they have, mm-hmm. that's for every live action yep. adaptation they've ever done. So that's Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. that's Maleficent, Cinderella. that's Cinderella, Jungle Book. that's Jungle Book. It's all of that. Lion So King. Well, he can go kick rocks. In fairness, with Jungle Book, like most of that cast was CGI. <laughs> well, no, it was no the, the, the writing. The writing. Oh, well, yeah, yeah that's true. it's the same thing. So, so I mean, it, it is kind of tough. Bro. I mean, but it, it reminds me of kind of the Jerry Seigel, Joe Schuster scenario where they created Superman. And they got paid for it mm-hmm. in 1939 of $250, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And one of them literally died penniless. Yeah. Because, and then his, the other ones, his family was in court for decades. It's the game. So it is tough. You know? Tough. So here's a hot tip for anybody listening to this show who is in the field of animation or writing or whatever. Think big. When you're putting together those contracts with your lawyers, be like, just in case they do another adaptation. Yeah. Put some sort of language in your contract where you have something going for you. Yeah, because you no longer own it once you sell oh. it to whoever. So you don't own yeah. it. So I and understand he's frustrated, but yeah, not so stuff. But yeah, so claim your stuff, trademark, copyright, whatever it is, and just try and protect it. But understand that Disney has a lot of lawyers, and I'm sure they comb through everything. But yeah, so it just it kind of sucks. Not too many people in the world prepared to take on Disney. Uh, no, no, you're not even really taking on Disney. It is just it's, taking on contract. Well, it's other, a contract. It could be Disney. About... It could be whoever. It's a contract. Oh, right, right. And it's like I totally get where you're coming from because you're right. Once he sold it, then it. And it was not even sold started. it. It was like mean, he was work for hire. Like he was just yeah. at work creating a thing for, you know, X amount of time and they paid you for it and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. So, but other than that, trailer looks great. Totally on board. I will be. Just, I'm really interested to see. What the next trailers and what the next? I'm sure Entertainment It'll Weekly. There'll be a full trailer at some point. Yeah, because it comes out early next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would think either. I would think Variety actually might do a big thing on it because Entertainment Weekly will, of course. But big thing I, on what? On like costuming and what things look like. So I yeah. don't know. Maybe we will see. Maybe. Uh, switching universes mm-hmm. to the Berlantiverse slash CWverse slash Arrowverse. It's not a thing. It totally is. It's not. No, uh, no one says that. <laughs> no one says that but you. So, actually, Kevin Smith says it, and that was where oh, I heard Oh, now, now it's right. So now any, it's... Hey, he works for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, so Ruby Rose, the first picture of her as Batwoman mm-hmm. from the upcoming crossover, which they do every year, yeah. of all of their shows, Legends, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, mm-hmm. They have not said anything about Black Lightning crossing I over. Crossover at some point, but yeah, probably next year's crossover because I think they wanted to give Black Lightning some time to kind of get its audience. I don't know. Maybe before they threw it in. I don't but that, know. That would be great. Stephen Amell did tease another like secret character that would be in the crossover. Probably Black Lightning. So that would be pretty dope. But yeah. So Ruby Rose as Batwoman, so far from this one image, looks incredibly comic book accurate. Nah. What they will do with her, fine. I just do not know. My big thing was the acting, because I know who Ruby Rose is, but yeah. I hadn't seen her act in anything. So I actually looked up little clips of her on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew that she was Australian. I have mm-hmm. yet to see her try to do an American accent. So that's oh, yeah, what I think and almost every, everything she's done. I've never everything no. she has done, yeah. except for uh, her Australian stuff. Well, no, in Triple X she had the accent, and Did Orange she? is the New Black. Uh, no, well, didn't. I heard it. Maybe that's maybe that's me. <laughs> yeah. But I heard it definitely in Orange is the New Black. She doesn't have any lines in John Wick 2. <laughs> oh yeah, she. Wait, was she deaf? 
Yeah. She didn't talk at all. She signs the whole time. Man, again, okay, here's a little inside baseball. I talked about this with uh, The Force Awakens with Star Wars. Mark Hamill, because he did not have any lines in that movie, technically he is an extra, which means technically, I mean, again, he is Mark Hamill, so they gave him a bunch of money. But Ruby Rose, if your character does not speak in a movie, the legal ramifications of that in your contract, you can get royally uh, screwed up. You think that's what happened to her? No, but I'm saying, like, it is... She's on the poster. She's good. It is... An interesting way that she's good. She's on the studios, she's but. on the poster. She's fine. If your name is on the poster, if you're on the Chiron, if you show up in the credits, I think you're I think you're good. I think yeah. she's I think she's all right. Yeah. I do have to say that when I heard that a Batwoman series was coming out, I got excited because I was thinking Barbara Gordon. I was thinking that's, that would be Batgirl. Well, we don't even know if it's a series, right? We know she's showing up she, in this. They we don't know anything about the series yet, other than she's showing up yeah, in this crossover. Yeah, they announced that. They no, she is getting a show. Yeah, we don't think about the show. Yeah, yeah, nothing about the show, but they are going to be. This is going to be the launching point. Right, Basically, much like this... they did with The Flash yeah. and they did with the other characters. So Legends, I mean. Yeah, so this is her launching point in this crossover. We, but we know zero about what the show's going to be yep. about, what the premise is. We just know she's showing up in this two, four episode, three episode crossover. Four, because it would be Legends, Flash, Supergirl, Arrow. So, yeah. And maybe Black Lightning. So we don't know. So they're doing a huge crossover. So that's all we know she's showing up in this. Yeah. We haven't seen a clip of her talking or <laughs> acting or doing any Batwoman stuff. We've seen a photo yeah. of her mm-hmm. flying through the air. But you would prefer Batgirl over Batwoman? <laughs> I would. I, well, I, that's what I was thinking. And like, I was with... thinking, like, this is 2018, about to be 2019. Mm-hmm. They can upgrade her to Batwoman. I mean... This is a different character. Well, yeah, could... well, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I was excited. thinking like, oh, they're going to show someone in a wheelchair. Like, they're going to be inclusive. and Oracle. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear about Gotham? They're going to bring in Batman in the last episode? Yeah. Nobody cares. People still watch the show. <laughs> that show it's still is still going on. Did you, yes. Yeah. Did you oh, watch wow. the trailer for the that they did? Yes. Oh yeah. I've I watched the I first episode. Did not put that in the news specifically <laughs> because I I saw it and I was like, this looks terrible, and it makes. No- I really wonder how they're gonna do the Batman stuff at the end. No, I want to watch the last episode just to see that. Oh, the last episode is going to have the highest rated. <laughs> I'm gonna watch highest ratings I'm just, I'm just, of any of them. <laughs> I'm curious. It's like, how did you guys spin this into like a, a ten year leap and then Batman when, shows when all of your villains are. 15 years older than boy Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Except for Poison Ivy, who they suddenly jettisoned way older. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? When, when he was hanging out with Poison Ivy and Catwoman, I was like, yeah, time to turn the show But off. then Poison Ivy disappeared. She comes back, and she's like 15 years older. And it was like, yeah. um. The show's a mess. Yeah, complete mess. Uh, so, yeah, so Batwoman looks good so far. We'll see, yeah, when she actually we will starts see. talking. <laughs> but, yeah, we will see. like the actual character, Kathy Kane, is a pretty dope character. Uh, a cool character. If they were to do, they would have to do kind of Arrow season one, as far as if they wanted to be kind of more comic book accurate. Like, she has no qualms using a gun. Why are you concerned with them being comic book accurate? Because it is, yeah, because it is still me, and it is I mean, still a they, comic they, book like, show. I, it matters to you, but I don't know yeah. if the people creating shows if that necessarily matters as much. Yeah, fair. Well, I, I mean, I think, matter them. I would think they care. Like you were talking about all the hidden gems they put in Supergirl. Oh, like and how all they, of the CW shows. That's, like that's yes, but that's different than being comic book accurate. Like you yeah. can well, do all of this like connecting dots because it's it's literally like a, you you're making these shows and there's literally already a storyboard for stories you can tell. Yeah, it's there. It's in the pages. Yeah, but being comic book accurate about the costume, about mm-hmm. you know people in their lives. I mean, hell, like, it took. It's not just Easter eggs. You know it what took I mean? Arrow. Yeah. Three seasons, three seasons before anybody called him Green Arrow. Yeah, he was so, a hood for like forever. He was a hood, then he was 
Arrow. And the Flash with the red streak for a while. The Blur. The Blur. Oh, no, the Blur was Smallville? Yeah. The Blur was Smallville. Yeah, Flash the streak. with the red the, yeah. the streak for, before he was the Flash. Yeah. Um, they st- they're they just now, just this season, is the costume coming out of the ring. That's yeah. this season. Yeah. Which is which is so which like a Flash staple. Yeah. But now they, they just, they've hinted at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're getting to the point where you know the costume is a little different. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the new Flash costume. It's different, but, you know what I mean. But that's yeah. So I mean, I just all of these crossover events are incredible and frustrating because I'm like, they're doing this with a TV budget, mm-hmm. tying these things in. How are the movies? How are yeah? It just, I mean, how are they still a mess? Bigger budgets. It's more. It's more hands in the pot. Yeah. Honestly. Like, well, again, because Greg Berlanti oversees all of the shows. Yeah. He is the Kevin Feige of DC TV. <laughs> Nobody so is the Kevin Feige of the DC movies. No. That's why they're doing random movies all the time. Yeah. And we're going to get to that. Uh, so, <laughs> speaking of random DC movies, right. James Gunn, in a move that I think, well, not just us, but a few people called, after it was fired from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 by Marvel, everybody was like... DC needs to swipe him up immediately, mm-hmm. just to kind of rub it in their face or whatever. No, I didn't think that. I thought they needed a good director. Well, that too. So James <laughs> Gunn has been officially hired on to direct, <laughs> and probably write... The Oscar-winning... Ugh, the Oscar-winning sequel, or the sequel to the Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> so is Jared Leto going to actually be in this one, oh, or... No. no, he is doing his own Joker movie, one of the four We Joker don't know movies. if that's actually happening. Of course not. Well, not with the Joaquin Phoenix one. Oh, they have, like, not even Joker. Well, I know that that one's a prequel, but still. They have three in development right now. Yeah, who knows? <sighs> um, so Gun- James Gunn is funny. Exactly. And they what they said, specifically in the article, is that he was hired to give the Suicide Squad a completely fresh look, or a completely fresh take okay. on Suicide Squad, which means ignore everything that happened in Suicide Squad 1, James Gunn, do whatever you want. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think at this point, they need, with Shazam looking very family-friendly, with Wonder Woman already kind of being the family-friendly one, Aquaman, we have no idea so far, mm-hmm. kind of how dark it is going to be. I think with this one, with his approach, it is going to be, yeah, just completely different. I think they desperately need that. I think it's going to be much like the Guardians are sort of anti-heroes. Yeah. It's going to be that. That's the take. These are sort of anti-heroes sent on a mission to do... X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And it'll be, he's a good writer, so it'll be good writing. It'll be funny banter back and forth. Yeah. Um, I hope this, I like the cast. I hope they keep the same cast. I like the cast. is fine for I me. I liked some of the cast. I mean, yeah. Uh, speaking of cast, also Dave Bautista, yeah. who has been James Gunn's right-hand man ever since yeah. everything has been going down. As soon as this was announced, he just blasted social media. He was like, put me on Suicide Squad 2. He's like, I want in. Which... That's fine. It's kind of smart because he could be at, the, at the end of Infinity War Part 2, Drax might not be around. And so it is like, why not? He could be Bane. Yeah, he could do Bane. That would be interesting. Oof. Actually, no, because a lot of the current Bane has been Latino, and I would rather see that representation. That's fine, but they're going to make him Bane. Isn't he Latino? Isn't he something? Batista? He's, he's no, Filipino. He's Filipino, Filipino. Yeah. Yeah. Filipino. But the thing is, you don't really even see Bane. Well, again, in the in the, a lot of the modern stuff, yeah. uh, he was a much more fleshed out character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he yeah. could be Bane. 
that that would be interesting. But yeah, James, like I just am excited for James Gunn to be part of DC because it gives me faith that somebody over there will have an idea of what they're doing. Mm, I don't know. That whether, a good movie will come out? He whether, will, but I don't they know. Are allowed, whether he is allowed yeah, to do it. it are you allowed thing. to do it? Is it, is, is it as a collaborative effort as we've seen over with the Marvel stuff? I think that's mm-hmm. why that stuff works so well. It's very collaborative, whether it be the yep. directors collaborating and the studio. And, and people, it's, it's like anything, right? So when it comes from these people over at Marvel, it's people believing in your vision, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It, and Cooler talked about it. Yeah. And... Like in uh, um, DC, Teo Coker talked about it. Yeah. Like, hey, I have these ideas, and they're like, yeah, well, this is what we need you to fit in there. Mm-hmm. If you can fit your ideas into this thing that we want to do, fine. Go and for it. That's what they do. I don't know if that sort of structure exists over DC. So even with all gun- great ideas, yeah. mm-hmm. who knows if it gets muted? You know what I'm saying? Or yep. suppressed? Absolutely. Or, oh, we've got to sell more toys, so we need you to do this. Like, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I'm happy for him. I'm happy for. Yeah. I'm happy because that whole hopefully that whole fiasco, it just bothered me because it was just like, come on. But anyway, so yeah, so I'm excited for that. Uh, You mentioned Ryan Coogler. Coogler. In the biggest duh Mm -hmm. geek news, he officially signed on to direct Black Panther two. Woo. Uh, That is gonna be. I mean, yeah, just total faith in that. It took a while to announce this, but again, like we were talking about before, lawyers, contracts, yeah. the man he's, is going to get paid. He get was like, paid. yeah, that film that uh, I made, that made a billion, over a yeah. billion dollars, yeah. he was like, <laughs> I need a new yeah. check. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he's he's been handsomely rewarded for that. Ah, uh, yeah. But good for him. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see where they're going with the next story. Again, especially once we see Infinity War Part 2, Yeah. who is wearing the mantle? Bob Panther, what are you talking about? I still, I think Shuri. I think she takes up the mantle while he's gone. Yeah, I, yeah. Because I, mean, I think I think there's gonna be a time gap in between when we've seen everyone turn to dust mm-hmm. and when we return. I think in that time, she's the Panther, and I think we're gonna see her in a suit, and I think people are gonna yeah. go nuts. Uh, yeah. But I think when mm-hmm. he returns, he's definitely king. All right. Yeah. I mean, I again, whatever they end up doing, I have faith in in Coogler. I expect so. a more James Bond style film out of this next one. Almost like the like the more of the casino scene yeah, type where stuff. Where he's uh, he's mm. traveling around mm-hmm. doing something because the bulk of the first film was just in Wakanda. Yeah, which establishing was great. establishing world. everything. Mm-hmm. So now you can do a thing where he's around yeah. traveling because well, they're setting up you know places everywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. I'm interested what they do with the youth center in. Was Oakland. it? LA? I think that'll Oakland? be part of it. That'll be part yeah. of their well, outreach. Definitely, it should be. I just, I'm interested in see the snippets from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that feels more real life and compared to like all these crazy enemies and you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, and again, that'll be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about it. I mean, we've talked about it a few times. Kugler's uh, connection mm-hmm. to his home, to Oakland, to that area. Mm-hmm. Is prevalent in all of his films, so all I have right. no doubt that yeah, Black Panther two, mm-hmm. there definitely will be a, a focus on that as well as all of the Marvel right. stuff. So yeah, it's gonna be dope. Uh, the last bit of news: mm-hmm. Brian Tyree Henry, yeah, from the Greatest Show Ever, Atlanta. Yeah, the um, Greatest Show on television right now. <laughs> greatest Show on Atlanta. television, Atlanta. Yes. Uh, How many episodes have you finished? He has been cast oh, in, come on, in Godzilla yeah. versus Kong. The upcoming sequel to the movie that I am super hyped about, Godzilla King of Monsters. That's the one with Eleven in it, right? Yeah, Millie yeah. Bobby Brown. Okay. And she is already, like she is on for two movies in her contract, so she will be in this next one. So excited for this. I don't know if I'm excited. I haven't seen the second one yet. Do not care. 
as soon as I'm not, I don't have nothing to be excited for. I'm excited for Brian Tyree Henry. I like right. him. Right, good for him. I don't have, I, as far as the movie, I have zero to be excited for because I did not like Godzilla. You mean the one from the late '90s? No, the newest no, no, one. The, no, the, that that one, not so much. Not so much. Uh, this new one though, as soon as they started, they we still King don't. Know, I like that we we know nothing about the story. I'm on board. You know what else looked cool in the trailer? Oh boy, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and oh. the story was doo doo. <laughs> so yeah. you mean the, the let's wait until the we, almost literal wink at the camera yeah. the dinosaur gives? Oh right. wow! Oh, the, the, I didn't realize it was that. The bad. girl. We oh, to, we have to set them free. Yeah. Set these murderous <laughs> dinosaurs set them free. in L.A. Yeah, and they're they in California They're going somewhere. to eat people. Yeah, Blue's just hanging out overlooking a, a nice suburban area. And, what are we doing? <laughs> Blue's going to murder people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm – even with the trailer, as cool as it looked, mm-hmm. I have no idea what the story's about. Yeah, I don't know. Or what story care. they're telling. So I'm, I'm going to hold off on the excitement for uh, – <laughs> Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm excited for Brian T- Tyree Henry. I'm mm-hmm. excited to see him in Widows. I'm excited to hear him voice in oh, yeah. in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. I'm excited yeah, yeah. to see him in Atlanta next season. So I'm I. happy for the dude. I think he's yeah. extremely talented. Um, yeah, shout out to the next season of Atlanta. It's going to be great. Come on. Uh, <laughs> you got, listen, man. Paper boy. boy. As much as this dude's blown up, I need you to watch the show. For, I, for, for uh, Donald is his own thing. Who is to right. say I have not been watching it? Me, because we yeah. talked about this. Me, just, me, so. me too, because I've been trying to – I've been working on it so for between, the So between Zazie blowing up and being in everything right. and between Brian Tyree, you need to watch the show. And um, Lakeith Stanfield. And Lakeith. Just these – we've named three people. Mm-hmm. We're not even talking about Donald Glover. Right. He's yeah. in his own stratosphere. Right. Three other young African-American actors who are blowing up, and you haven't watched the thing that birthed that. Yeah, Zazie did talk about recently that she had auditioned for Storm in the new X-Men movies yeah. before Alexander Ship. Yeah. Mm. yeah. She said she almost quit acting before she got this gig. Mm-hmm. She was almost done. She was yeah. like, I can't do it. She's not good enough. And then she does one of the best shows on television. And Deadpool. Doors start opening. Here she yeah. goes. So I need you just as a friend just to watch it. <laughs> I to see where these where these young stars were birthed from. Yeah. And I I do want to watch it. Also, I what just What do you mean want? I, I just have I okay. Well, what he do would, you mean want? He would I, rather watch Iron Fist season 2. Oh, that's wow. where that's where his priority wow. is. It's all about please put his priorities on blast. It's all yeah. about want to. I still wow. can't believe he watched more episodes of Power than Atlanta. I can't believe that. And Power okay, is but, a terrible show. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> it's from, a terrible from this, show. From this Admittedly, plan. the Kendrick Lamar episode was good. Did you see that one? That's fine. Okay. It's not. It's I've the, not watched it, any okay. episodes of. Is Atlanta Power a better two? show than Power? Yes, I'll, I'll say that without hesitating. Yet. Without hesitation. It okay. Is a, it is All right. Superior television. Oh yeah. I I will watch it. It is on. Wax. What, okay. Serious question. What is it about Atlanta that does not interest you? It, it is not even that it does not interest me. It just I John. when everybody was talking about it. Look at all this word salad uh-huh. coming out. Most of and I are it. grilling him right now. There's nothing about the show that is disinteresting. Okay. I just have not made the time for it. We need to continue to give him the death stare yeah. so, until Go we ahead. actually get an answer. You gotta prioritize what you like. Yeah. Here's the thing. I know. I only said that because I know you'll like it. Just right. like I knew you'd enjoy wrestling. Right. And you enjoyed yourself. Of course I did. You're going to enjoy how obscure and how fascinating and how touching and interesting the show is, and it turns on a, a various range of topics. Um, so you saw, you, you're caught up. Oh, yeah. So the first, so season one, episode three, with the, with their song and the dogs. Oh, yeah. That's so very touching. The very end of the episode, I was like, yo, this is like a touching he- moment between Earn and, uh, what's who, Lakeith's character? I keep getting his name. Uh, Darius. Th- yeah. They have this moment where 
Earn is like expressing his very valid frustrations. Very real, and a lot of people can relate to it. Yeah, I also and Darius like, is like we're boys, man. It's like it's yeah. it's touch. So you have to watch. Like this I is will. the third episode, and I was like, oh, this is a different show. In the barbershop episode, oh, it's episode I probably two? have watched the most. That season was ter- or that episode was terrifying. I've been in this. I haven't been in a situation. Like, I've been in a situation, a situation where a barber is doing everything but cut my hair. Mm-hmm. They yep. just extrapolate this mm-hmm. to the to the tenth yeah. degree mm-hmm. with his. And the, the guy who plays barber is absolutely hilarious. When a, yeah, when very a, true. When a thirty minute Baby. haircut takes two hours. Oh, it's worse than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I stopped going to those salons. You pay for convenience. So the funny I mean, episode, my price went up like two or three times, but now I don't sit in a salon for half the day. So. Yeah, my friend who's you know, has a, a smidge a bit of fame. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the episode and there's a, a, a line where the guy says, come help inspire the youth. And he was like, people say that to me all the time, just randomly. Like, come in, come, come, come talk to my cousin real quick. Come, you, come inspire the youth. He was mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm just trying to buy some food, bro. I'm not trying to like mm-hmm. inspire the youth today. I'm just trying to buy my salad and get out of here. So watch it, man. I think I will. When you start watching it, I think it's going to enrich. You'll be able to see why people are so high on these guys okay and i will say that i like the difference in the characters because paperboy is very one way and darius kind of just flies by the everybody the in the like, hood, i love that character everybody in the hood knows someone like darius that was the funny thing about it mm-hmm. like talking to some of my white friends i was like no we all know a guy like darius everyone does there's a dude who's just a little eccentric mm-hmm. believes a little too much in conspiracy theories mm-hmm. you think it's the weed but you're like no you're just you're that guy. I immediately yeah. thought of somebody, and I, I was not going to call him out. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I think we know who, yeah, you know who yeah. I'm talking about. We yeah. all have a friend like that. <laughs> I, had a friend, I saw a friend like that I had last night. Uh, we were at my friend's birthday party, and that friend showed up. Yeah. We've got a friend. Yeah. Cool. All right, yeah. So I, I will check it out. It is on Wax. I will watch it. Okay. Um, all right. Give him a deadline. So, exactly. <laughs> give him a deadline. So, so that was all for the uh, Geek News. Now for the first... Review of this episode, uh, Pizzacad MV, while in New York, had the chance to watch a new documentary about MIA. Yep, Matangi Maya MIA. And so I was looking forward to this because I've been a fan of hers for years. Wait a minute, is that the whole name of the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because it focuses on different parts of her character. Like, Matangi is her birth name. Okay. And then oh, okay. Maya is who she was in England, and MIA is the artist. So oh. it's just kind of like a whole rounded like, well, that picture. That is a long title. But that yeah. makes sense. Right. I mean, people will just call it MIA. Because she was born in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Which, that was one of the things, like, when I first met somebody from Sri Lanka and, like, Kathmandu, mm-hmm. I was like, those places exist? Yeah, it's a real place. Like, in, like they just, because in our heads, especially growing up here, those are in, like, Aladdin and things, like, they sound like mystical places that mm-hmm. do not actually exist. Speaking of Aladdin, when I was looking up Aladdin, one of the first questions that came up is, where is Agrabah? And that kind of made me happy. <laughs> Yeah. But um so yeah. So this focused on MIA's life mm-hmm. and she talks about I mean this movie had to at least been 10 years in the making. Wow. Because it starts when she's like I think her mid 20s or something like right in the height of her fame or right when she's starting to get mm-hmm. famous and she has a feeling where she's like if I had stayed in Sri Lanka, if we hadn't come to England, then I would be a Tamil warrior. Like, cause mm-hmm. she's, she saw a video of these women out in the fields, like doing some of the same stuff that men did. Yeah. And she's like, you know, that would be me if my family hadn't gotten me out. And so she kind of explores like what life would be like in Sri Lanka had she stayed. And that's mm. part of what the movie is. And like, there's a lot of things in there that I had no clue about. Like she got her start through Diplo. Yeah. Which isn't surprising. Really? Yeah, I mean, her 
first album, I guess her music in general does sound very Diplo-esque, so it's not surprising to yeah. me at all. And then, um, yeah, she knew Elastica. I don't know if you remember that. I love Elastica. Ready to go. Yeah, yeah classic song. Um, so, yeah. Riot so Girl. Yeah. She was a videographer for them. Really? When they were on tour. And that's kind of how she got into that scene, basically. And that's when she had her breakthrough. Where she's like, I need to go back to Sri Lanka and sort of reconnect to my roots. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So <laughs> did it say – because, I, again, I, I know her music. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about her life, obviously. How old is she? Does it go into, like, when they left Sri Lanka and she grew up in I think she was, England? like, nine. Okay. Because her father is a Tamil warrior and, um, you know, they were getting threats, like, death threats. And yeah. so – the mother and the kids all went to England while the dad mm. stayed behind, and I think he joined them at some point. I think he stayed in Sri Lanka for the most part, but he came and visited every so often. Gotcha. So, so after being in the music industry on one side of things, mm-hmm. she was like, I need to reconnect and find her own voice. Pretty much. And she feels like because she's you know one of the most famous that I know of uh, Sri Lankan people, that it's up to her yeah, to I talk could... <laughs> about what's going on out there. Yeah. yeah. And she gets it from both sides. Like, she gets it from the American public and from Sri Lankan people where it's like, you're talking about the immigrant experience, but you didn't have it. She did, but she didn't mm. have a hard path like some other people. And so, yeah, there, there's people, there were Sri Lankan people that weren't wanting her to talk about what's going on in Sri Lanka. And there were American people that were like, you can't talk about this because you grew up in, you know, cushy London and, you know. Uh, I love when people tell you what you cannot feel. Yeah. That is, or what stories you can and cannot tell based on your life experience. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so overall, I, I really enjoyed it, and, like, I really like the music clips and, like, the behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. stuff, because, like, I listen to her music when I'm at the gym, so mm-hmm. I found myself, like, squirming in my seat whenever they play her music, because, like... <laughs> you want to move? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because, like, she had big, in, like, the mid-2000s, was her kind of first... Something like that, yeah. ...album. Like, Ar- or, I think Arulara was the Arular, first one. yeah. I think and then so. Kala was the second one. So those are her parents' names. I didn't know that. Arular, oh, really? Yeah, Arular is her dad's name and Kala is her mom's name. That is awesome. Yeah. Nice. So with this documentary, did you... Because, again, when... The way that I kind of look at documentaries, if I leave the movie wanting to do more research and, like, wanting to know even more about them, mm-hmm. then to me it succeeded as a documentary. Then it was not just like, all right, cool, here was the story. It was, here was a story... And it compels you to like kind of dig into it more. Did mm-hmm. you feel that way? It made me want to look more into what's going on in Sri Lanka rather than okay. her personal life. Because I think the movie actually did a really good job of, of capturing what went on during those years. And we, like she wasn't really much a public figure, and it captured a lot of what we didn't see like in the media. And it touched on that disastrous NFL performance that she had with, that. with yeah. uh, Madonna and Nicki Minaj. I completely forgot about that, yeah. to be honest. I remember that. They fined her something like 16 mil. Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. I mean, I knew that it was bad, but I just didn't realize it was that bad. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't okay. know this fine without excessive. Yeah, yeah. neither did I. Yeah. What wow. did they find? What was the fine for specifically? Um, putting up her middle finger during the performance. Yeah, that's everything. Yeah, yeah, I was like, when this broadcast is being shown to millions yeah, of people. Yeah, those fines changed after uh, Janet Jackson's incident. Yeah. They got more hyper. And about. that still bugs me because it's not like Janet Jackson ripped her boob out. She it's didn't not, do that. I'm not, I mean, I'm just, I said Janet yeah. Jackson incident as to, right. to give you mm-hmm. a, a reference of what I'm talking <laughs> about. But after that point, that Super Bowl performance, they've gotten yeah. stricter. Wow, yeah. 16 mil. She still had to pay all of it? I don't, they didn't really touch on that. I didn't look, well, actually, yeah, that is something I don't want to research. I don't know if she actually paid it. So That's a lot. That's a that, that lot. Is yeah. A, yeah, that is heavy. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the official rating system for the About to Review podcast 
There are three choices. No letter grades, no stars. The three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something that you really enjoyed, came out of theater, you want to talk about it, you want to do more research on it. Bad, you did not feel like you wasted two hours, but it would not be something you would really recommend. Ugly, avoid at all costs. So for this documentary that neither Tim or I have seen, because it just opened in Seattle, you were able to see it yeah, super early it. in New York. Yeah, we were all in New York Comic Con, so I saw it out there. Yeah. Uh, what do you give Matangi slash Maya slash MIA? I definitely give it a good. There is actually a little, uh, well, not a little. There is a bomb dropped at the end of it that I wasn't expecting, like about something that happened within the last few years mm-hmm. that I had no clue about. Ooh. Yeah. Teaser. Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. Next movie is the kind of big budget, ridiculous movie about the. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, just big budget. Like it. It's well, 60 million. It's not big. Yeah, that, that comparatively, is. Comparatively, yeah. It's not. That's it's not a comparatively. big movie. No. Uh, I say ridiculous because it feels like we get a moon movie every like three or four years. Oh, quicker Space, than that. Yeah. We, get, we get them like every year. So that is why just Pretty like, much, yeah. Come on. Uh, but yeah, so it is First Man. Tim, how about you uh, tee this one up? I thought I was teeing up the other movie, but I will Oh, just kidding. Never mind. I will uh, I will tee up First Man then. Yeah. Okay, so First Man is directed by Damien Chazelle from La La Land, Whiplash, a young director who three out of like the five projects he has been in control of mm-hmm. have gone on to either get nominated or win a slew of Oscars. Right. He is easily one of the youngest, most prolific directors of our generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he teams up again with his boyfriend, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling, who is just kind of his muse. I mean, th- this happens all the time in movies. The second movie they've done, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the, the guy who did the score was, I think that was the second time that they had worked together also. But yeah, so this movie, First Man, is obviously about the Apollo 11 mission. Not just the Apollo 11 mission, the Apollo missions to be the first people on the moon right it goes into the space race a little bit ryan gosling plays neil armstrong and uh, let me actually pull up because i actually really liked him even though he was very kind of unlikable the guy who played buzz aldrin oh yeah Corey Stoll's. and this is that who it is yeah who? yeah Corey stoll okay He's he from, was <laughs> you know you know him from ant-man the first ant-man movie he was in that movie, that show, uh, the, the uh, House of Cards. House of Cards, um, The Strain. Yeah, uh, he does. Oh, he does you, the voice of American Dad. You know, or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So like he, his dynamic between Ryan Gosling's Neil Armstrong and his Buzz Aldrin, mm-hmm. I tried to like, and I pulled up some research of some press conferences to get more context, because Neil Armstrong in this film was portrayed as having this near obsession slash dedication to go to the moon and we never really know why he's very rigid he and his wife yeah um so i was listening to movie trailer reviews uh chris and phenom reviewing it and they brought up a good point they thought that phenom was saying he thought that neil armstrong's obsession with space was to get away from a tragic incident that happened in his life that's in the film yeah i mean and i mean that's the whole thing is he's trying to escape this thing and he, he finally has this emotional moment once he's on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Sort or, of, or that, that was sort kind of the of release of it. That, that release. So that was interesting because that was a part of the story. And again, at our screening, the large demographic that was there were people of our parents' generation. People right. who remembered this incredible event happening in 1969. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for us, 
like watching any of these moon movies, mm-hmm. there are always pieces of it that I never knew about because we learn about the moon landing. We did not really learn about his family. No. Well, that's the thing. Like with any movie, I'm always sort of, um, I, I want to say hesitant to believe or skeptical mm-hmm. when people are portrayed a certain way. Like Buzz was very uncouth and to the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Neil was very rigid and just kind of I'm focused on science and I want to do this. And mm-hmm. they kind of seem like oil and vinegar. And when you portray yeah. people like that, people are complex, you know, and I know they only have so much time in a movie, but yeah, I didn't know about the men. So that was interesting. But also, yeah. I also think that like the way Neil Armstrong's portrayed speaks to the strength of Gosling's ability as an actor. Mm-hmm. So even if that's not how he is most of the time, mm-hmm. that is in Gosling's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine them going that direction. But also think about the moon, as far as your point about the moon landing, I think it's not ever about the moon landing. No. Just like Whiplash isn't about music school. Drumming. And <laughs> La Land isn't really about jazz. I think right. the film is, like I said in my review, it's, it's hyper-focused on Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And he's a man going to work. Yep. And the yep. stress of going to work every day. His work is going to the moon. Yeah. And, and the stress actually... of bringing that stuff home to his family, and I, which yep. I kind of appreciated about the film, was like, planning to go to the moon was dangerous. <laughs> yeah. People died. All not just the movie opens with him almost dying. Yeah, I mean again, like people died not just in the Apollo and the Gemini, which they kept saying Gemini. Yeah, and that was really weird. Uh, I just kept thinking Gemini Cricket. It's Texas. Oh no, it's Texas. No, but I can imagine people in Texas saying Gemini instead of Gemini. So it's not just about the ones who broke the atmosphere. It was like no, just testing this stuff. Yeah. This testing, people, people die. People die. Because they talked about there's a brief moment where, you know, Claire Foy is great in it. But when she's talking to the other wife about Neil being around death so much yeah. and saying that they, you know, it was like four in, people. In one died. year, there was in one test program that they were in before, yeah. four pilots died. She was like, yeah, we got used to going to funerals. Yeah, they got used to going to funerals. With your co- and again, yeah. with, your with your coworkers. Like this, put this in any other yeah. context. It is crazy. Which also that was sort of the thing that I enjoyed most about the film is their ability sort of to drive that point home. Is, yeah. Which is like Neil Armstrong is someone, and and his wife knows this too. Which is like, which is I'm, I was fascinated to be like, if if I was married, would I be okay with this? Right. You your your spouse has this job that mm-hmm. could will put them in the history books for the rest of mm-hmm. their lives. But because the caveat, <laughs> they might not. They might not make it. Mm-hmm. And if they do make it, they might not make it back. And how, like, how do you, that, that scene where she confronts him before the big moon takeoff about, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not doing this. You're going to do this conversation because I'm not doing it. Yep. Like, that sort of, pu- that push and pull he had is, I think, the crux of the film, which is yep. a man mm-hmm. dealing with his emotions and death is around him. Death is, death is like, a constant in this film. It just yeah. keeps showing up in this movie. His mm-hmm. wife is a very strong woman, and I think that they had to have that sort of similar personality trait. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, her husband's a pilot and, you know, she had to she had to deal with it. She had been dealing with it. So, you yeah, know, she's also dealing with it, too. Like the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the footage of her sitting by the radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that, that and when they cut the radio, and she shows up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I love that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's a real like I, she's she's also someone who's carrying that stress mm-hmm. and that weight of like, I love my husband and I love these families, but we're going to lose people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the thing. One of the. You know, speaking of things that I really enjoyed about the movie, the way this was filmed, it looked like a movie in a good way that was made in the 70s. You mean by like, no black people? The grainy film. <laughs> oh, right. well, that too. Yeah. Uh, but it had like this this like soft focus, 
grain for a big budget movie. Um, yeah. And no people of color in it. Uh, well, there were like people someone, for the protest. Someone on Twitter color. called it unhidden figures, and I laughed out loud. Wow. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That's a choice from, like, Jamie Chazelle caught flack for that in La La Land. Like, where do black uh, yeah. people at? They were in the jazz scene at the end. Yeah. Well, and luckily, we had white people to explain what jazz is. Yeah. I mean. Oh, but oh. also, like. Okay, That's so a whole other beat. So we've Let's seen hidden figures. So we know there were plenty yeah. of black people involved in this thing not happening. Not just black people. Black women. Black women. Mm-hmm. And they're not. Yeah. Not even like a shot of them going down the hallway, and there's, like black people in the far distance like, yeah you can't even make out their faces they're just brown faces that is it yeah which is uh, which is again after hidden figures mm-hmm. that's a choice you're making to not show any of this in your film yep at, on, on any point of you even working you, in nasa if you had name checked some yeah. of them people would be like all right cool cool we know this is about neil but you you name checked some some of the women who are there cool none nothing there's no women involved at all other than the wives yeah that's a choice. You're mm-hmm. making a choice at that point to say, yep. we historically know this is a thing, even if you didn't know. If you're Dan Chazelle, if Chazelle, and you did not know. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, you do all we this had research. A, we had you do all this research. We winning yeah. movie <laughs> yeah. about this last year. So let's say you're Damon Chazelle, and you show up, and you don't know. Mm-hmm. And you're working on the story. Then there is a movie that comes out, and it's the biggest movie of the thing. Cause, yeah. right. Tell the untold story. You're, 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 you're doing all this research, and all these women... Black mm-hmm. women and women in general involved yeah. in NASA mm-hmm. to not put them in your film on any level other than them being mourning wives is a choice. Yeah, and I mean, people are going to be critical of that. And this book was, or this movie, I don't was think based people on, were critical of that. They're, people will. Oh, no, they, they, it's cer- coming. Certain critics uh, have been, and it's, it's just because this is based off of a book, which again, the book is directly about Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. But the fact that they focus on so many other aspects of the mission right. and not that, like Tim said, is a choice. But I liked the way it was shot. I liked the way it was filmed because right. it felt like an old movie that we were watching mm-hmm. just sh- just done really yeah. well. Uh, the interior camera shots. Yeah, that was good. That was incredible because, again, that's a lot a of these again, movies. that's a choice. Yeah. And a smart choice. A lot of these movies, justifiably, the camera is outside of the spacecraft, yeah. outside, mm-hmm. you know, because you want that effect this the camera is in the capsule yeah. shaking rattling it really felt you hear that sound of the metal that made me Ooh. nervous because yeah. you think about the technology back then and it's just yeah. like you're basically flying around in a tin can I told you, you're flying around in jiffy pop yeah like, we have a few more gears here. like no <laughs> we, we have more technology not even in the new yeah. iphone we had more technology in like the second wave of smartphones than it took them to get to the moon and back yeah that's wild yeah. So that yes, yeah, so the fact that the camera was in there, it was claustrophobic. It had right. like that was a really great choice, and I liked that, especially right. when we get the quintessential spoiler alert: they land on the moon, folks. Yeah, for this the trailer. You know, <laughs> they make it to the moon. When obviously. we get this quintessential <laughs> moment, it goes from this like rattling, shaking, creaking noise to as soon as the door opens, silence. Yeah. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. Because it was just a smart choice. How quiet. And also using the real audio was smart. Yeah. Uh, that Definitely a good choice. But we talked about in the thread yesterday with Jessica. Mm-hmm. It should have ended with him just touching the moon. Op- yeah. Open that door. Have him step out. Have him have give him, the speech. Have him look up. Do a wide shot of them with the rover and the flag and cut. Yep. Credits. Cut. Now, if they had done that, another thing they should have done, which they did not do here, and as soon as the movie ended, Tim <laughs> looked at me because he knew I was going to be upset without it. There were no pictures. There were no videos of the actual people who did the thing. We just saw the making. We we just saw what happened. Cool. 
I'm not looking in the credits to have the whole story. Show like give us like rest in peace Neil Armstrong. Uh, you know, show do something. It just and I it, noticed that they tend to do that with lesser known situations. Like when we saw Detroit, a lot of people didn't know about that whole situation, and they right. showed the people that were at the Algiers and all that. With this situation, like this was huge. Like most people know about it, and that's probably why they didn't do it because they no. figured you should have learned about it in school. Like it's a I, choice. It's yeah. a choice not to put it in there because um. It's it's a lot of filmmakers use it as a way to sort of quote unquote bring people home. Yep, right. We've which which this, is why what I love about we've it. We've watched this fictional character. Mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. know, you're playing Beyonce in the movie. At the end of the de- movie, we bring it home. We're showing actual footage of Beyonce as a kid yep. and her. De- like it's a way to sort of and it humanizes it right so away. And be like, right. oh, this this crazy movie. It doesn't actually ruin happened. the movie for me. Mm-hmm. I do think it's odd that they yep. don't do it. Same with Black Klansman. That yeah. that really bothered me with Black Klansman because I was like, this is a story. That needed that desperately. I don't know if it need. I don't know if any film needed. I think it's odd that they don't. I don't know if it's necessary because that's, like, no. that's your vision as a filmmaker, and then that's your vision for the right. film. Like, so I don't know if it needs it, but it's it's odd to me that they don't at times because yeah. I think and they just want I think, it to I be standalone. Could, I think I it's 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 a it's a it's a it's it's a low risk high reward situation. There's there's minimal risk with adding photos unless yeah. people request it not be done. I don't know if that's happening behind the scenes. I don't know if the estate yeah. or whoever is requesting it. I don't know. Could possibly be. Maybe but, they saw the first edit and was like, yeah. I don't want you know my yeah. husband attached to this or my father. And stuff happens late because I remember uh, Cougar saying he added the opening to Black Panther super late. Well, they explained vibranium and stuff. And oh, really? oh, that, like the an- like the very beginning, yeah. the animated stuff. I was added late. Okay. So who knows what's happening late in the game? Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's odd not to. Yeah. But I don't know what other mitigating factors are, are surrounding them not doing it. Because yep. it seems like a, a no-brainer to be like, hey, this is I'm trying to get Oscar people. We're going to tug at your emotions by showing mm-hmm. real footage. Do you remember that one football movie about the dude who got injured playing in like Texas? Uh, you remember that movie? Not remember the Titans. But the in- uh, no, 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 no. But at the end of the movie, they show real footage. Because the movie ends with this climactic scene of him giving a speech in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was that? But at the end of the movie, they, sh- they actually show like part of the speech. Oh, and wow. it was so touching. And, and, that, like, and again, it was like... Boom. Sold. Oh, you like, got me. Now I'm choked up. Yeah. I'm, asking, I'm watching this guy give a real speech. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, I love it when that happens. It it bothers me yeah. that it – and again, in movies like this, just give us like two or three yeah. clips or even show like a little real, bit of – Real footage from the press conference. That was exactly what I was going to yeah. say because when I looked it up yeah. – It's there. Like, <laughs> I've it, seen it. I, I can watch <laughs> on YouTube. Like they give – there was one on uh, – yeah, it was like an hour and a half and it was just the three of them. Three astronauts at the table, and they they sound yeah, so they're, bored. Yeah, they sound bored. Oh know. my god, they're like, <laughs> so when we jettison the yeah. capsule at uh, four hundred thousand people feet, are stressed. Neil Armstrong but, was stressed. Them people, he never yeah. looked like he was having any fun. <laughs> no, at, which ever. is funny because, I mean, so my my dad was a pilot. Yeah. And so he, when I was talking to him recently about these things, especially the space race, mm-hmm. the guys that they had in those programs. Mm-hmm were the jockeys they were the guys who were like i want to push the speed barrier i want to do this like yeah they were just in it for the thrill and neil armstrong is like whatever man i'm at work like it but was just like it the, was... i imagine that thrill gets the paint wears off when people are dying around you yeah at an exponential rate i'm sure that that gung-ho jockiness sort of right. it slows down a bit when you're like oh we're, we're doing this and i might not make it home on a regular tuesday i might yeah. not make it back which yeah it, it's it's yeah, crazy. That might happen. Um, yeah, I thought it was a smidge too long, though. Definitely a little bit too a long. Too that long. was one of the things that I wrote down also today. A little that I, too long. Um, 
I, yeah, I like to focus on the cockpit, the focus on the family. You know, it was cool. That It was, again, another aspect where we don't really think about it, that these guys, these families, probably lived in the same cul-de-sac. All of them. Well, you know, yeah, until they you kept see... them all together. Yeah, it's until, like what I mean, they do with base families. Exactly. You know, where, you or, know, you were talking to the family across the street and suddenly, you know, their husband is gone. Like that. Mm-hmm. And the dynamics of that. That was just, that was a nice aspect of this that I maybe don't think was done as well in other moon movies that we yeah because those movies focus on like the fun of space and the joy of it mm-hmm. not necessarily the grueling aspect not the terror of being oh, in this metal before you box even get to, before <laughs> you even get to space right all this is before we get to space yeah the closest was probably the martian but all that was like goofy fun stuff on earth yeah, that was all so that was weird. fun and light right? yeah I'm going to Iron Man my in, way in, out of this. Yeah, and, like, in, like, in, yeah, right? It's super dangerous. But even yeah. like the space group that comes back to get him, that whole thing is like mm. – it's a super dangerous mission and they're going to spend – they might not – they might die. But that's kind of treated tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. This was like people are dying Yeah. Tomorrow. I, mean, like, I cannot imagine like, – we have all been on flights yeah. that are scary. Flights mm-hmm. that maybe we thought we were not going to make it out of. Oh, for sure. Imagine being in a capsule – and you hear the metal creaking around you and, like, bolts, like, and you are in space. I don't even like hearing that on planes. Exactly. But, like, <laughs> imagine being on a plane and a pilot saying, hey, we're going to reach a new height today on this plane. <laughs> right. uh, there's a 45% chance we might burn up in the atmosphere, but we're going to give it a shot and right. see how yeah. it goes. You'd be like, wait. Nah. It's like I didn't sign up. Yeah, let me not do that. But that's what they were signing up for. Yeah. So there were a lot. there was a lot of this movie that I liked. Um, but, yeah, it was a little bit too long. I think they ended it really oddly, and even the way that they ended it, like the final yeah. scene, just cuts, and we're it, like, what? "Yeah, what?" And again, if they had cut, they cut and showed us oh, two pictures, done. But, but the way they ended it, and I read about, I read from one of the writers, kind of why they ended it that way, and I will not spoil that specifically because it was a part of the story I did not know. Yeah. It was just kind of like that was how you want to yeah. end this that's movie. A, that's a, a that's a bold. Choice. It was a choice. Um, we were actually, before we started recording, we were looking up uh, Damien Chazelle's other movies. Okay. So La La Land had a budget of $30 million and made 151 Solid. Whiplash, his first movie, $3.3 million, which is really low for a major picture, made 13 mm-hmm. Still a solid return. First Man was made for 60 which again, for a movie having to do with space, mm-hmm. still pretty inexpensive. In its opening weekend... It got beat by Venom, which is in its second week. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a huge knock on it, but How much did it make? 16.5. Yeah. Ooh. I think going into November... It's going to be rough. It is... Oof. Because it's, it's November, a lot coming out. Exactly. November is when Tim and I get super busy because studios are just throwing everything at the wall, being like, Before war cool, season. Our, like, our Seattle Film Critic Society deadline is December 8th. Mm. So if any studio wants us to see something... They have about eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So, it's a lot coming at us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if it's going to make... Which is crazy. Uh, the 60, it might. It, it might make its money back. Yeah. And like the big thing, and I know that a big part of the budget, the footage on the moon yeah, obviously. Was, was IMAX footage. That cool shot of the rocket taking off was really... That's yeah, my favorite and, like, and we saw it in IMAX. Here's my thing with that. I remember growing up, we had an IMAX theater where I grew up, and they had moon stuff. I remember seeing a lot of that footage on an IMAX screen when I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. So having it be like, oh, you have to see it in IMAX. Not, why? I mean, it's cinematic. It's way different. It's different than like real footage. So just that, that 
whole marketing aspect of this. And a lot of our fellow critics are being like, see this on the biggest screen possible. You don't think it's a darling people say it is? No. <laughs> I, I really do not. Um, I really enjoyed people, it, but I don't think it's that, though. Yeah, some people are lauding it's this. the best movie like, they've seen all year. And I was like, what? Not. I not, saw some but... five stars being thrown out there. I've seen a lot of really good films this year. Yeah. I don't know if this makes my top ten. Not this As of right now, before we get into our official ratings, not even in my... Yeah, not in my top ten... And, Oof, and also like because it, of the way the movie, I've had people say it's flat out boring. Because it, uh, listen, it can be. I can't, yeah, I, I, can't, can't disagree. I can't disagree. <laughs> like, it didn't bore me, but I could, I understand someone watching it and being like, I was bored to tears. Well, that's why yeah. Venom is outdoing it. Because you think about it, people can bring their families to Venom. There's a certain demographic that will. Oh, my nephew loved it. Gravitoy- He's twelve. Well, right, but yeah, there's we know a somebody whose niece loved it also. Oh yeah. Very he's, much so. He's 12. He was like, he loved Venom. I was like, of course, because you're 12. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're 12. Of course you love Venom. Well, and I saw like some 20-year-old guys were like, oh, yeah, Venom about that life. and all. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this wow. is IG, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's weird because I don't – there's been a lot of really good stuff this year, and that's yeah. – I don't know if that this is going to be the movie that – What I was saying was that me. there are certain audiences that will gravitate towards First Man. For sure. And I think that – amount of people is much smaller than towards venom because venom yeah. i think appeals to more people which is why right why it's beating yeah. it and so yeah yeah we, we we'll see but so our official rating for first man uh go for a pizza cat mv you know i thought about this and i agree with tim like i can see how people would think it's boring it didn't bore yeah. me didn't bore me yeah that in mind i'm gonna have to give it a bad ooh, only because ooh. it was for me it was meh it wasn't yeah. You know, it wasn't an ugly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't the greatest thing ever. And, like, I love NASA. I love space. And mm-hmm. I liked the actors that were in it. And I thought I saw a lot of cool things. Do I feel like people have to see it? Or I would go out and, like, you know, cape for it? Probably not. Okay. Totally. Like, those are all very valid yeah. <laughs> points. Tim? Uh, I I agree with everything you said, but I'm going to give it a good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I think there's a demographic of people who will enjoy it. I wasn't bored, but... All the criticism people have about sort of the lack of women, the lack of people mm-hmm. of color, uh, how boring it is, is 100% true. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did not ruin the movie for me, but that I, I have nothing to say for that criticism. It is 100% fair and understandable why people would feel a way about it. Yeah. Uh, this one, honestly, it was it was tough for me because I did I read everything that you know she said is totally right. The things we talked about, like not have like making the choices that it made to not include historical people that we know were there we just saw them we like less than a year ago well they had the one press conference in the hallway and you see some black women that's like it. in the distance in the it. distance like i was part of me was like i hope that's taraji p henson <laughs> like, uh, i mean so i really i mean i have been we saw this a few days ago mm-hmm. and i've been wavering between good and bad because I mean, it definitely is not an ugly. Like, it was it was shot beautifully. I loved the graininess, that mm-hmm. soft focus. But because of the kind of the, the pacing issues or whatever, like, I, I, I will give it a good, but it is a very low good because, yeah, this is not You're, something... You're, you know, totally jumping your own rating system, by the way. Because uh, I, uh, I tried to give uh, a good asterisk, and that's what that sounds like. That sounds like a good asterisk. No, it, it is still a good, but it is not something that... Like, I had people ask me about it this weekend. Like, hey, should I go and see it? And I was like... If Depends you on want, like, my, well, my dad was asking, and I was like, I think he would really appreciate it. I yeah. think that older demographic who was there, I think they're going to have a totally different appreciation for it than we do. 
Right. And that is valid. That, yeah. that, that, I mean, they were there. But yeah, with me, I, I give it a good, but it really was not even close to the greatest movie of the year. Not a five-star movie. Not an A-plus movie. For me, it wasn't. Not for me either. For like, someone, I'm sure it's, it's their oh, five-star. We, we know them. It's a five-star for them. So, they love yeah, it. That's, good for them. that's kind of crazy. Okay, so the next movie um, is the very poignant and timely... The Hate You Give. The Hate You Give. Go for it, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, is based on a book that came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, about Which is a really quick turnaround. Really quick. <laughs> uh, they probably optioned that book, that movie deal when the book was immediately finished. <laughs> for you yeah. finished. Uh, it's about this young girl named Star who's living two worlds where she's she lives in Garden Heights in sort of multicultural, mostly black community. Mm-hmm. She goes to this Catholic private school called Williamson with mostly white kids mm-hmm. and she's out at a party one night and gets a ride home from her friend Khalil. He's then shot by the police and he's unarmed. So she's dealing with the trauma of the death and figuring out if she's going to testify in this grand jury thing that's happening because no one knows she was a witness in the car. Yep. She's getting pressure from a gang member named King played by Falcon, AKA Anthony Mackie. <laughs> right. um, yeah. I have to say that that kind of hurt me, but go ahead. Good, good old Mackie, man. So Mackie's Mackie's putting some pressure on her. She got her parents played by Regina Hall and Russell West, Hornsby, Russell Hornsby, who Russell was in Horn- Fences, who's Dude, good in it. He plays like an ex gang so member good. turned mm-hmm. legit businessman mm-hmm. who's constantly like pushing values into his children. Mm-hmm. Um, so Com- that's the story. Commitment to the community yeah. versus safety yeah. of the community. Amanda Stan- Stenberg, 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 uh, Stenberg, Stenberg, mm-hmm. uh, who we know from as Rue from uh, as Rue. She was in the Darkest Mind, Hunger Games, latest, yeah. Hunger Games. Yeah, the latest yeah, YA uh, movie. She plays she plays the main character. Mm-hmm. So she lives. So you know, it's her it's her journey. We're following this this through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie, like I said, is one of the most poignant and timely movies mm-hmm. to come out in a while. Like, it's what Detroit wanted to be. Yeah, Ugh. I remember Ugh. when the book came out. <laughs> yeah, it's really what Detroit wanted yeah. to be. True. Detroit. Yeah. Uh, this is funny. So I ran to a guy we see all the time at these screenings, and after the screening, we we're talking. He was like, "Man, I was surprised to see you there." I was like, "Why?" So you didn't <laughs> like Detroit? I was like, Detroit wasn't saying anything. No. Like, mm-hmm. I just didn't like it because it didn't say anything. It was just like these people got abused. That God, is it. Like, I, I feel like Detroit. I hated Detroit. I hated the part where um the cop had the guy singing against the wall. Remember when they had them all yeah. lined against the wall and he's like, sing for me? I hated that part. The, the whole movie. Same again, guy from, from here who plays Khalil. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Algie Smith, I think. Algie Smith. Um, yeah. what, is the, what is funny about Detroit is not for the tone that I hate the movie because yeah. it, it, it really could have done something. It didn't. The, oh, I just, the movie tells you nothing. Yeah. Well, it's also just a lot of victim. I mean. It's, just, it's, it's torture porn. I'm good, I'm good yeah, on that. Yeah, pretty much. But you were saying so about the book. Yeah, um, I remember when the book came out, all the buzz that it got, and I, when I read what it was about, I was really excited. And as a black woman myself, one of the parts or one of the main themes of this movie that really resonated with me is that Star had one foot in the school. Which was the school? Williamson. Williamson. So she had one foot in Williamson and one foot in Garden Heights, mm-hmm. and you had to do the code switching. And I think oh, yeah. I think everybody in this room can relate to code switching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, I know exactly what that feels like. I know what it is to have to portray yourself as the non-threatening black person and to really tame yourself and yeah. mute yourself and not get angry when you have legitimate reasons to get angry because you'll be the angry black It's a woman. righteous anger. I, t- I had yep. this conversation with a stranger. Mm-hmm. But people week, don't get it. This, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm walking down by Columbia t- the Columbia Tower and I'm mm-hmm. going I'm headed to the to catch the light rail, and this this dude in the truck almost hits this dude this, almost blasts a dude in the street. Wow. And the dude had the green light. He was walking. The dude gets pissed and he's like angry. He throws a water bottle at the truck mm-hmm. and hits the back of the truck. The mm-hmm. truck drives up the hill, drives off. 
I was like, I, t- I said, man, are you okay? He mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, man, you, you were in your right to be that angry. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand. Like, he was like, I'm sorry, you had. It. I was like, dude, you had every right to be that upset. Righteous I anger. get it. He, you, he almost killed you. Like, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. I'm not gonna be like, why are you doing this? Right. And also, you know, remind me so much of this film, which is like, other people around him said nothing. Mm-hmm. No one said anything. And I watched it from farther away than anybody else. I'm like, he almost killed this guy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was, again, one of the things that I related to also with that code switching, whatever, because, I mean, I've talked about it briefly on some episodes before, but growing up where I grew up and when I grew up, you had to be a certain way. Then in high school, I go to a private When you say a certain way, what do you mean a certain way? So when all of us were growing up, all of us were poor. Like, all of us were broke. And that was fine. Like, we were all, it was equal playing field for the most part. You know, brown kids, white kids, we still, like, all the brown kids, we still had other issues to deal with. But it was the same socioeconomic thing. Okay. We were all in it together, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. In high school, I go to a private Jesuit high school where immediately I'm the poor kid. Mm-hmm. I'm the poor brown kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was like, uh. Reinforcing what? stereotypes? Well, yeah, in, in their minds. Yeah. And so it was just like, there because there was constantly, because a lot of times in this Jesuit high school, the same kids who went together, went to school together from kindergarten through the Catholic school system ended up at this high school. Mm-hmm. So they've known each other forever. Here I come with like two or three classmates from the middle school that I had been going to into this high school, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And so that type of feeling of immediately knowing that you do not belong there and having to kind of blend in one way or another, knowing that they think differently or because they say things. I mean, I think the know? movie, I think Star's Journey is more than that. I think, oh, it absolutely. I think yeah. it's her having, what Michelle said, talked about was having to mute yourself mm-hmm. constantly. Yep. Yeah. That's the thing that, that's the thing that gets you. It's not the, how they feel about you. Cause mm-hmm. they're going to feel whatever, how they feel. Mm-hmm. It's feeling like in this space, I have to, I can't be myself fully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of this thing that's constantly eating up at you all the time. So, um, how old were you when you got you got to, to talk from your dad? How old were you? We actually, what was funny is we were just talking about this uh, this weekend. Fifth grade. Yeah. Because wow. in oh, seventh fourth grade. fourth grade was the first time I was called the N word. Oh yeah, it was it was about um, time. No, no, it was it was seventh it was seventh grade. Oh wow. Because I <laughs> late bloomer. <laughs> so most of well, my, I'm the latest of the bloomers in because I actually made it all the way out without being called that. Good luck for you, good you. Which high is five. Is so crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it's, so it's, fourth, so it's funny. Fourth it's, grade. So one thing I always ask, you know, non-people of color mm-hmm. when they talk about racism, it's like talk to your friends who are people and ask them when the first time they were called a racial <laughs> slur, just how, and yep. how old they were. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how young people are. Yeah, I was nine. So for me, it was I. Um, <laughs> All that so when I was in fifth and sixth grade, I, I lived in South Sacramento, and it was like the height of gang violence in like the late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. And so to get us out of that environment, my parents sent us to the school up north in Sacramento. Yep, that was super nice. It was a performing arts school, but it was like the United Nations in that joint. Nice. So mm-hmm. all my interactions with people who weren't black were extremely positive mm-hmm. to to a fault. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this is cracking. This is what it, this mm-hmm. is life. My teacher was this white woman from from South Africa who like loved African culture and was like understood like the the need for me to understand about who I was like so this hmm. is this is the environment I'm in for 2 years now mind you my kid my homies back 
home in the neighborhood, they're not doing any of this stuff. We're going to symphonies. We're doing all kind of wild stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we move out of Sacramento to Vancouver, Washington. And that <laughs> was like mm-hmm. the first time someone was like, someone called me the N-word in class. Yep. Wow. And the teacher teachers upset me for being upset. And I was like, what is it? And that's when I had to talk with my dad. Actually, we had to talk our first night there. We go into the Albertsons and everyone's staring at us. And I was like, what yep. is this? And dad was like, well, we'll talk once we get in the car. And so we had to talk. And we had to talk about, he talked about not being by ourselves, not walking alone. He talked about if the police stop you, it's yes or no, sir. No, sir. And he was like, they're going to try to aggravate you. And my thing was like, and much like the conversation the star's dad has at the beginning, is like, even if you're not doing anything wrong, like mm-hmm. that's fine, and that's what ended up happening. I'm the first time I was ever harassed by the police was, was like 18, and I was just walking to my homeboy's house, and I saw the cop car, and I was like, he's gonna stop me. And as you know, it just sort of comes over you. I had never been stopped by the police. Nothing mm-hmm. ever happened to me. I had never, none of this had ever happened to me. Sure enough, the, life the, come on. The anxiety, and I was like, yeah. oh, this little spice since I had is real. And this is, a, <laughs> right. and this is the thing that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And he was looking for someone who stole a car and had me on the hood for like 30 minutes and was being 100% condescending and rude. And I just remember my dad's training of like, don't, he's going to try to get under your skin. Do not let that happen. And mm-hmm. I was just like, okay. He's just being an ass. And I was like, this guy. Yeah. And so when I got home and told my parents, they were livid. Like, what, did you get his badge number? I was like, no, man, I just wanted to get out of that joint. Yep. And to, to, to Star's character journey, that trauma, like, lasted for, like, a week Yeah. for me. I was just, like, in a funk mm-hmm. of, like, this is a real thing, people. Like, this is really happening to people. And it's it happened to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know I'm not, like, some hardened criminal. I'm not out here. I'm not in that gang life. I'm not out here. I'm walking down the street. Mm-hmm. That's all I was doing was minding my own business. Or more importantly, you didn't grow up seeing it. The difference with Star is that she had already lost one yeah. of her friends by oh, the time. I grew, that... I grew up seeing it, right? Oh, you did. Okay. But I never experienced it. I grew I up see. seeing it. Okay. I never. It had never been something I had experienced. Yeah. And so, with me, and I think it's probably differently because I'm a black woman. I didn't get the talk. Mm-hmm. What happened with me is when I actually got handcuffed during a routine, a quote unquote routine traffic stop. Right. And what happened yeah. with me is like. Um, I was dating someone in the military at the time. I was picking them up from the airport. One All those his, military people. Yeah, one of his friends was also there at the airport. So we were going back to his friend's house to just sort of hang out. And the friend lived, like, in a rural part of the city and, like, just way out in the middle of nowhere, no street lights. And we were just driving. And then all of a sudden this cop car flips around. Three of us are in the car. And I was just like, I didn't do anything. I know my lights are on. Like, there was no turn signal opportunity because we were driving down a straight road. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, the cop asking us questions, giving IDs, and then... Everybody's ID. Yeah, everybody's yeah. Everybody, everybody. Everybody's ID but in the car, not the driver. Here's the thing that I remember. This was in December of probably, like, 2003? Yeah. I don't, I don't know how long. Anyway, um, so at some point, the officer decided to handcuff us and search the car for drugs. Oh, yeah. No yeah. reason for it. Yep. And I remember it being that cool because I was sitting on the sidewalk... Thinking I'm freezing, it's December, and I don't have anything in the car. Like, what's going to happen? And, like, mm-hmm. you know, luckily the officer didn't plant anything. Like, we just got kind of got away from it. But I just remember thinking, like, what the heck? Like, what just yep. happened? Yeah. Handcuffs. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, we had it happen on the way to out to, we were going out to Pullman because my boy was going to Wazoo. We was all going out there one time. We got oh, stopped. The you, know, you know how the Palouse is, right? So we got stopped out there. But the crazy part was, you know, thank God for my dad's training. He pulls us over, and uh, it's a super quick story. So he pulls us over, and everyone's speeding, right? We're all headed out there. And so, it is the Palouse, so for I said the Palouse. 
anybody who lives in Washington, especially Eastern Washington, yeah. the Palouse Highway, you can lose your mind because yeah. all it is is like rolling it's wheat fields. Ro- it's just a lot. And Trump, and Trump signs now. It's just Trump signs yeah. in the field. And so if you, yeah. in, in general, it is like driving from like Seattle to like Spokane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nothing. A lot of nothing. And you can lose your mind. Yeah. So, so it's a lot of nothing. So everyone's speeding. They stop us. Okay, you got us. Right. Mm-hmm. But every time he's coming up to the window, he's telling us. So first of all, he gets everyone's ID in the car, even mm-hmm. those who aren't driving. Right. So every time he comes, he's not telling us why he has us on the side of the road. Of course. Either give us the ticket mm-hmm. or let us go. But right. he just has us for a half an hour. And every time he comes up to the window to talk to us, not telling us why he's detaining us, mm-hmm. the, the how fast we're going keeps getting higher. And the second mm-hmm. time he does it, I notice it. I look at my friend, and he's pissed. Bit of a hothead, my friend. Mm-hmm. Love him. <laughs> he's a bit of a he's a bit of a hothead. Oh, mm-hmm. no. So I was like, yeah. Oh no! Oh no! It went through my head. It was like, yeah. gonna end up going all the way back to Othello and be locked up, or or I'm gonna be dead on the side of the road. Neither of neither of I want to happen. So. Three more cop cars show up in a canine unit. Still, no conversation is about as to why we've been on the side of the road for 30 minutes. And we're at that, right. that, that dead zone where none of us have cell service. So I can't oh, call a soul. Imagine that. I'm just sitting in the car. like. So an officer comes up, and he's being – now at this point, he's super rude. He's being aggressive. And it was like my body just went into like survival mode. I was like, oh, so this is how we take care of the ticket? And I just repeated what he said. We can pay it, or we can, if we want to contest it, we can go here. I, I don't even, I just was like rambling off what he said. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Yeah, I said, Thank you, officer. Have a good day. He said, Thank you. And left. That was it. My friend was like, Oh, I was going to say something. I was like, Bro. Exactly. That was why I said yeah. something. <laughs> what was going to happen to us if yeah. you had said whatever it is you were going to say it was probably going to be rude? Like, it, but the thing is, like, that those kind of things happen to people all the time. Self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, even telling my story, I have a feeling there's probably going to be at least a few people that hear that and think he must have had a reason to search for drugs. No. I, I, no. Can't, I can't help but feel that. And, like, you know, maybe he was just searching the car for something. I don't know. But at any rate, we were all handcuffed and put on the side of the mm-hmm. road for no reason for a quote-unquote routine yeah. traffic stop. So, I, I, so That's it, crazy. But the thing is, I kind of wanted to tie back to the movie because we yeah. all kind of went on, on a tangent talking yeah. about our own stories. Um, I didn't know that Thug Life actually stood for something. That was what? interesting. I didn't. You didn't see Tupac Resurrection? No. You should watch that documentary. It's fantastic. Much better than it, that, the movie, too. Oh, God. Okay. Wait a second. <laughs> so much more Actually, I did. I think I did see Resurrection then. because it's, it's I, All the interviews of Tupac talking. Yeah. It's in there. Okay. So I, I must have either missed that yeah. part or forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. I wish Common was a better actor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. That was one of my notes. Because that scene it, should be a really good scene. And he's was, so uh, wooden. Yeah, I was like, bruh. Yeah. And she's emoting. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that, that that beautiful young the, actress is really giving her all. And Talman's just like, great. Mm-hmm. The way I'm he, a robot. The way that he looks. Because, again, oh, Ru- Ruby Rose you know, did not speak. Yeah. But when you watch her face, she has different reactions. Yeah. She is able to emote things. Yeah. Common, yeah. and I'm doing an impression right now that you guys cannot see. He just looks dead and yeah. he's like, hey. We need to talk. Yeah. But just like, and he was just staring off into space, and you're like, dude, like, where are the, you the right problem now? Not like, every musician can make that transition to actor. Yeah. Remember Justin Timberlake? Like, there's plenty of examples. Timberlake's way better. Timberlake is infinitely better because Timberlake grew up on TV. He's a comic actor. Like, when you're talking about SNL, that's one thing. Think about Alpha Dog. Think about some of the other movies that he was in. Oh, he, he would have done a better job. In this. So, I'm thinking, I'm, so Common really has <laughs> one specific scene where he's necessary, mm-hmm. yeah. where they're talking. Yep. And he's so bad that it 
almost ruins the scene. It really does. I was like, dude, can you just? You were be... talking about the one where she was like, "Would you have done this?" Yeah, or this? yeah. yeah. He's going through a routine stop for a police. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, this is an important part of the story. And he Very is important. just. Why are you? <laughs> terrible at this especially scene. when you compare well, especially to... when he delivered the landing blow like when he said the part exactly. that shocker i'm like this is i'm supposed to feel something when you Nothing. say this and he totally <laughs> the delivery kind of killed it yeah and mad russell yeah. hornsby like her dad yeah. is good. phenomenal like he has he's everybody good. and again we bash on common a lot on this podcast no but when he is in a movie around other people even um so uh where the uh, falcon uh, Anthony, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie, like his character, really was not developed that much. He has like True, yeah. a handful of lines, but it was good. He was still better with almost no lines mm-hmm. and having just rely on acting mm-hmm. with your face yeah. than common is yeah. with yeah. lines. Yeah, difference is Anthony window. Mackie is an actor. Yeah. And like I and I and I touched on it. has been in enough projects to like figure it, like, this out. How do you he not? He was in know? Selma for like two seconds. He was in Selma. He was oh, in he just right. He was in. Oh yeah. John Wick two. He was in. Terminator Salvation. Yeah, the like, signal he, it works. He, That's oh, line. He has been enough. He has <laughs> been in enough movies for somebody. He's been in enough. But he hasn't been like. Have those movies really requested him to really drop something yes. like he dropped yes, in this yes. movie? And he keeps being bad at it. Yeah. That's well, the problem. <laughs> you're an actor, like, your agent him, so. is gr- his agent is great. Yeah, they're they're, they're doing their I job. I know, but here's the thing. I know why they cast him because he has to look. He has yeah. to look oh, at yeah. someone. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, he looks like a character. He looks like a cop in this yep. movie. Yep. He looks like the part. He just can't do it. Yeah. And, it's, really so, and it's it's funny because everyone else in this movie is so good. Regina Hall is like everyone's black mom in this Man. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's great. She gets all these black mom looks and eye rolls. Like, mm-hmm. no, you're not gonna do that to my baby. She got that look without even saying it. But common and all the, the little kid like the little kids are good. Yeah. Oh yeah, Calm is the weak link. Yeah, it True. it is tremendous how bad he is in this movie. Because even even you know when when Issa Rae shows up and she in Star tells that story that no mm-hmm. one knew and she starts talking about it. That's even a really emotional scene. Yeah. that works because the the girl's a good actress. Yeah, <laughs> common is just yeah, and Amanda, I mean, she's good. We unfortunately, star, and what was what was crazy is we were just told by the president of our Seattle Film Critics Society. One of our unique awards that we give is Youth Award. Yeah. So he just let us know, unfortunately, from the time they started filming this, she was 10 months too old. Oh. What? So we, she she is above the She's age. She's above like, it. Man. So is she over 18? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. When they started, because it has to be, I mean, again, we have rules. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. they have to be under 18 when they start She's filming. She's really good in it. She is so good. She's so good in it. So. Did you have a favorite scene in this movie? Um, The scene that I think... A lot of the stuff at the school, because when, she, when she's walking, well, it's when she was walking through the hallway, and people were like, "Oh, it's lit!" Like these white guys who are just like trying to be hip and everything. In the high school that I went to for only a couple years, because then some stuff happened and I had to leave. Um, that was what happened all the time. Like me and my buddy Rajiv mm-hmm. got confused for each other by teachers, by the principal, by classmates, almost all of freshman year. Mm-hmm. And so people would come up to me and, like, say a joke or something about, like, a class that they had with Rajiv, and they're you looking at me. You guys even look alike? Yeah, we actually do. We, like, we joke about it. Um, he, we kind of actually really look alike. But it was just, we were, in our diversity committee that we had at that school, there were, I want to say, like, 20 to 25 of us. I can name almost all of them who are people of color in the whole school. And so that... You're 25? 
Oh well, in my class. Oh, good, good on you, bro. <laughs> right. Well, I like, was barely over ten. And in my in my class, as far as like the brown boys, mm-hmm. there were four. And so Rajiv and I getting confused for each other. Yeah. So people would come up to me and they would be like, "Hey, man, blah blah," and I would have no idea what they're talking about. I would be like, "You're you're thinking of Rajiv," and they'd be like, "And I oh, just have to like, say that please don't do that to your black friends because that that reminded me of just." The way you – the interactions that you see that are different, mm-hmm. like I would see – okay, I'll just put it out. So I'd see a white woman talk mm-hmm. to another white woman be like, hey, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. As soon as she sees me, hey, girlfriend, yes, yep. girl. And I'm like, yeah. seriously? Yep. I old security guard at my job used to do it all the time. <laughs> oh, really? He'd greet everyone, hey, good morning, good morning, see me. What's up, man? I'm like, just can say good morning, bro. Like, exactly. <laughs> or try to use I'm just, slang. I'm just eating yep. my breakfast sandwich, man. You can just say what's up. Yeah, so that those scenes really resonated with me because – that was my lived experience. I knew exactly what that was like to be physically and, I mean, financially different at that school. Yeah. And it was made evident repeatedly. To me, it was it was her going back to school and part of that code switching that you talked about, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a couple of years ago, my, my summer program with the students, we were talking mm-hmm. and we had like a 90 minutes with no speaker. So these kids were just asking us questions. They were asking us, this is in the height of all these police killings in Ferguson. And they were asking us, how do we deal with it? And I was telling them, like... Was this the high school students here? And... Here. Okay. This is here. I was like, you have done stuff with like other countries, yeah. so I was this, not this sure. Is, this is recent. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and they're asking, and I said, when these things are happening in the news, and you're thinking about you, your friends and mm-hmm. your friends' kids and your, your nieces and your nephews, and you go to work, and people aren't thinking about it or thinking about it in the same way, mm-hmm. it feels very isolating, mm-hmm. and you feel like you're solo. And I, I think a lot of what we saw with Star going back to Williamson was this isolation of like, yeah. I'm these things happening in my community that I care about. And you guys don't care. And when you do care, it's because you want to get out of school because you want to skip that. It, it reminds me exactly <laughs> of how I felt after Charlottesville happened. Because luckily, I was not at work when Charlottesville happened. I was actually with my grandmother. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, I had to watch that with her on the news. But I remember coming back to work after that and not talking to anyone about it. And it's like, you guys can't act like this didn't happen. They do. But it's just... But, I mean, I, thank God I work I work in a space where there are people who care. There's a right. few. And we have those conversations. But I was telling you guys in the thread, I had a conversation with the coworker who was like adamant about police violence not really being that big of an issue. Because it doesn't happen to that person. Yep. Pretty much. But we but and that's the thing. So I reminded me of the conversation she had with her friend who's sort of like The brush conversation. Believes, before the brush. Okay. Just this whole the unfollowing her on Tumblr mm-hmm. and you know, you've changed yeah. all those kind of things because she's not really seeing her as a person. Yeah. You can't you can't if you can, because people do. But it's frustrating to see people enjoy so much of our culture and mm-hmm. appreciate so much of it, but not care about the things that harm us. Oh, and well, I'll, I'll, I'll be very delicate about how I address this. I'll just say there's someone in my life that is pretty much that way. This person loves logic, cannot stand black people. Then you don't like logic. Yeah. Well, because what, logic have, is approachable. Logic, you, <laughs> Macklemore, Eminem. And, you know, not to take away. The from... difference is logic is actually black. black. Well, true. Macklemore and Eminem. True. <laughs> but the thing the is. The person may not know logic is black. Oh, true. It, very true, and that might factor in, but it's just like it's hard to see that. It's hard to see this person like just. How this person? How do you know this person does not like black people? Because of their interactions with me and with other people that look like me. Oh yeah. Or yeah. maybe maybe it's not even doesn't like it's intimidated or just. You can't be indifferent about social injustice. No. <laughs> no. And people are. Yeah. And I, and that was the thing I told my coworker it was like. Can't be indifferent about it. Well, mm-hmm. but it, but there's also people that can listen to Kendrick Lamar and then listen to a situation like mine with the cop and be like, oh, well, I wonder what she 
what you know what it, I mean. It, I yeah. tell people all the time it's like what when, she tipped him when, off with or whatever. When my mom was still alive when she was teaching at Antioch, she had me come speak at this panel for about racism, and so I show up and. And I was like, look, you guys need to be honest. We're going to have an honest dialogue. I'm not going to walk out of here thinking any one of you guys is some raging racist. Mm-hmm. Like, well, let's have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I told them, I said, it reminded me when I realized wrestling was fake. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so understanding racism and not just – and I'm not talking about racism in the term of like racial slurs, but like actual systematic ways yeah. in which racism affects people. Oppression. Opp- real oppression, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be media coverage, whether – like like that, 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 that news story the other day they talked about – people uh getting supplies from stores in the wake of a hurricane and someone was like yeah during katrina there were looters right, right. that's right so we're talking mm-hmm. about the framing right we're talking about yep. optics talking about white people doing the same thing these black people are doing in katrina but one these are dangerous looters who should be shot and the other mm-hmm. are people just rumbling supplies so they can survive the two people doing the same thing yep. so that kind of stuff and um i said it when you when you see it it's hard to unsee so I think people, and much like even like my coworker, I think you push back against it because mm-hmm. it's, it requires you to do something about it. Yeah, and that makes people uncomfortable. That makes them uncomfortable yep. 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 and it requires you to not. And it's not it's not the broader Twitter conversation. It requires you to, to have something to say to your uncle at Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. or your cousin, or or your sister in law who sends you racist memes or or really racially insensitive subjects. It's like so. And instead of doing all of that work, you'd rather pretend it's not happening. Yep. Yep. And that's and that's to me. I, I fought. It's like once I realized wrestling was fake, <laughs> I couldn't unsee it. It didn't mm-hmm. ruin wrestling for me, but I could no right. longer not see that it's fake. Well, that is the thing is a lot of people are not willing to look past that veil. They're not willing to it's be tough. like, yeah, well, we don't people... we don't get to opt out of it. <laughs> well, yeah, very <laughs> true. So, there's no opt out button for us. No. So, true. But if you can opt out of it, people would opt out. Mm-hmm. Because some, some, you, you, and I know you know, mm-hmm. being a woman as well, it is exhausting. And yeah. there are days you're like, I just want to opt out of this BS. I don't want to do it. I, I want to listen to Beyonce and not have you come up to me and say anything crazy. I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want you saying something stupid to me about it. Just leave me alone. You just want to enjoy yourself. My yeah. thing is that my job, my nine to five, I'm in a management position. Yeah. And so I have people that work under me that are white. And then it's hard for me to feel like, I can't give this person constructive criticism without, well, and you know, I have white allies. I'm not trying to turn this into a black white thing. And so, but I just have to say that like, there are certain times when I have to give someone constructive criticism Mm -hmm. and being afraid to do it because I'm an angry black woman and I cannot stand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've learned that. I, I read an article years ago for this psychology class and it was, it talked about like, not being able to be an angry black man at work. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is 100% true. What I actually had to do, I actually had to go, what I did in this situation, I, I went to my boss, I explained to her what I was needing to critique this person on, and I had a private meeting one-on-one with this person. I was like, hey, this is what needs to happen. This is what I'm noticing. And I just made sure to be very even-tempered and all that, but getting my point across, like, this needs to change, like, ASAP. Yeah. Which is still one of those things where... But the thing is, I felt like I had to handle it with kid th- yeah, gloves. Yeah, th- that mentality of, okay... I need to be here because if I am here and I go up a little, like, that is just crazy. So, and and again, it relates back to the movie Mm -hmm. of that constant thing that either, you know, you both have faced because of various situations you've been in. I have faced different things because of where I grew up and how I look. And it was not just one ethnic racial slur. It was me being confused for the other ethnicities and being called those ethnic slurs. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so it was like, 
Oh, great, great. Uh, I just want to say to the listeners, having been out in public with that guy named John, I've seen the different ethnicities that he's been confused for mm-hmm. and heard some things. Yeah, my friend Chris is the same. It's super funny. Yeah, and he doesn't speak any Spanish. <laughs> some some guy just walked up and just full on, oh, full all Spanish. He was mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't. Yep. Uh, he's uh, white and Filipino. It happened to Spanish, <laughs> really Italian, yeah, uh, Arabic, Jewish, Jewish, yeah, bunch of stuff. But yeah, so back to the movie. Uh, one of my other thoughts about this, this movie, along with Eighth Grade, uh, from earlier this year, was Bo Burnham and Elsie Fisher, both feature incredible youth performances and movies that need to be seen by that younger demographic. Yeah. Both both incredibly different, like very, very different. But need to be but seen by people in that age group. In that age group, because they are so raw and real, Eighth Grade is still one of the hardest yet best depictions of of somebody going through eighth grade that I've ever seen. Well, and also I think the I think the hate you give is for young people. Yeah, it's for them to watch and and, and engage it, it, in. It and needs enjoy yeah, and yeah it needs to be seen. Yeah. I mean, and it needs to be seen by everybody, but especially a younger demographic who is going through these things in high school, who is going through yeah. not just being an awkward teenager, an awkward person of color, <laughs> like yeah. that. That dichotomy is tough. Well, also just teens going through crisis. Because there's a part in the movie where Amanda says, or Star says, no matter how loud we shout, they don't hear us. Mm -hmm. And when that line talked to me, the other thing I thought of was Parkland and that whole masking. Like, these kids are out here marching in the streets trying to get gun control. No one hears them. They think they are actors. Crisis actors, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, that's part of it. it it's gonna take a lot to have real change mm-hmm. but yeah unfortunately you know i, I just don't know what's gonna ha- need to happen for right. real change yeah yep. and also i like that the anger in her in the film that she has is justified absolutely yeah 100 yeah that there is and anger with everyone yeah. not just the police or the system i like that it wasn't some cute hollywood ending like it ended like oh that's pretty realistic yeah mm-hmm. yeah i can see that happening absolutely it's happened multiple times so i can see that happening uh, so, our official ratings, as we have been gushing about this movie for 30 minutes. Uh, Tim? It's a good. It's a really well done. I, I mean, you can take your kids to go see it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing crazy in it. I mean, it's. I mean, take them with the knowledge that you'll probably have to have a conversation afterwards exactly. mm-hmm. about but again, what to see. As far as the actual violence, it's minimal. It's minimal, yeah. 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 Okay. My rating is also a good. I just also have to say that there are parts of this movie that I could relate to that I can't stand that I can relate to. Yeah. It it makes it's un, it's uncomfortable to see it, but it's real, and I think that it's a very accurate um, portrayal of what it's like being a black female and having all these different emotions and having to do code switching. Like I can relate to so much of that, so I definitely give it a good. Nice. Um, I also yeah, solid good. This movie compared to. First Man, when people are like, this is one of the best movies of the year. The Hate You Give, legitimately... That's fine if First Man is their best movie. Like, it's yeah. not mine. Teach their own, yeah. Yeah, teach, yeah. teach their, their own. own. It's just a different generation. It is. Uh, but The Hate You Give, absolutely, is one of the best films of the year. Yeah. It needs to be seen. Uh, by everyone, yeah, not just by, by Black America. By everybody. Um, I had some problems with her boyfriend um, that, we could oh. talk about, that we could talk about off mic. Um, but yeah, so it gets good. Uh, cool. And then real quick, because we did not, I've not had a chance to watch the whole thing, but the panel that I went to at New York City Comic Con for The Haunting of Hill House got me super excited for the TV show. It just dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to watch the first episode. Um, you watched it as well, yes? Well, yes. I was also at the same panel. I was going to mention that. Um, you saw ne- the episode at the panel? Well, we no, didn't no. see an episode. We saw a clip. Yeah. Netflix and chills. 
And it was awesome because we got saw the first episode of Sabrina. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Um, but anyway, so when I saw the clip for The Haunting of Hill House, I got really excited because I'm all about American Horror Story and all that. And so watch the first episode. And yeah, there's there's questions, but they're good questions mm-hmm. like like what's going to happen? What is this going to tie together? And I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the season. Yeah. Okay. So so far, because again, we we have all gone to panels, and then we see the show that they are promoting. And we're like, Meh. but no, this one I'm totally on board for the haunting. It's, of and the whole season's on yep, Netflix. It now. just dropped on Netflix. So I think it's ten episodes. I think so. Yeah, and they're an hour, uh, not like forty two minutes or whatever. Like they're about an hour. So I'm gonna try and get through that uh, this week. Uh, as far as upcoming. Movies that I will be reviewing or that we will be reviewing on the podcast. One of the most anticipated movies of the year for Tim Hall, People's Critic. Correct. Uh, we get to see this Tuesday. Well, actually, by the time you're listening to this, we saw it yesterday. No. The movie is Halloween. Mm. Ignoring every other movie except for the first Halloween. Correct. This movie looks incredible. I heard it's great. Like, yeah, the early reactions. So, People I talk to who've seen it really love it. And Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, right? Oh yeah. Okay. And she she looks great. Yeah. Like well, in the movie she looks haggard because she has been spending the past thirty years preparing, being like, he's gonna get out at some point. Past forty years. Oh wow, it has been forty years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we're gonna see Halloween. Uh, Mid nineties is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Tim and I said, for critics, this time of year gets super busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is it is gonna be pretty crazy. Uh, the other thing, locally, Seattle 48-hour horror film project is coming up at the end of the month. Highly recommend people check that out. Support independent cinema. Support independent filmmakers who are – some of them are just starting their journey into filmmaking. Some of them have been doing this for a long time. Uh, the About Review podcast is a proud sponsor of the 48-hour film project. Uh, financial sponsor because I like awarding people for their art. It is pretty amazing. So, yeah, so that about wraps it up. So we talked about – or Michelle talked about Matangi slash Maya slash M I A, which she gave a good. First man got one bad and two goods. The hate you give, absolute good by everybody at the table. Uh, yeah, incredible movie. So there we go. Tim, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at thepeoplescriticblog.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, the People's Critic. And yeah, you can find me watching Halloween this week, which I'm very mm-hmm. excited about. Excellent. Pizza Cat MV, where can people find you? I mean, you pretty much said it. That's my IG handle, Pizza Cat MV. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not really on Facebook much these days. Oh, and poor Facebook. Ugh. I mean, I've never been on there. Yeah. Data breach and everything. Right. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, and as for this podcast, it is at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure to follow, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice it is listed everywhere and also full links to the show notes and the guests are about to review.com if you have questions comments ideas for future episodes send those to about to review at gmail.com thank you for listening i really do appreciate it. if you want to support the show there's a link on the website as well so for this week's episode of the about to review podcast i have been joined by tim the people's critic and michelle pizza cat mv and i have been your host that guy named john we'll see you next time Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby.